21st. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Folk Runyon. And tonight, our very special guest is the British magician and author, Jake Stratton-Kent. Now, Jake has been studying and practicing magic, especially goetic magic, in England since 1972. He is the author of numerous books on the subject and is most noted for his efforts to rehabilitate the reputation of the goetic magical process. That's the evocation of spirits alleged to be demonic by methods that are also alleged to be black magic. Now, Jake holds that these so-called demons are or were originally pagan divinities or honored heroes and sages of earlier times and that the magicians who evoked them were the original shamans of our own European ancestral heritage. Now, his theories and his practical work have made him a controversial figure in the present occult revival, but his impressive scholarship and talents have kept him well ahead of his critics. Now, we are honored to have him join us on the Hermetic Hour. I'm going to ask her now to see if we uh, have him in. Uh, Jake, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, excellent. Now, uh, I'd like to start off here uh, after my brief introduction. Yeah, tell us uh, how you got started on this uh, this poetic path and share some of your earlier uh, magical experiences with us, if you will. Well, I guess about 1972, week, week one, I got a hold of a magical manual. Paul Hughes Mastering Witchcraft and started working practically straight away. It seems sensible to learn by experience simultaneously and got hold of Idris Shah's Grimoire compilation was Conjuring Lucifuge, Rothen Carly soon afterwards. It's been a learning process and a practical process from day one and yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much where I started out in the out in the sticks. You know, like having children spirits. Was the book that got you started, Paul Hussan's Mastering Witchcraft? That was my first ever practical manual, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that. He, he actually, uh, Paul Hussan actually had the Enochian, uh, the, the, from the, uh, from Ethiopian Enoch. He had those, uh, those fallen angels in his witchcraft system, if you recall. And, uh, and I'm oh, wondering, yeah. did that. Yeah, right. Did that lead you uh, from there into into the uh, the Lesser Key of Solomon? Yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, I got I got into sort of Solomonic magic through you know, compilations like Idris Sharp, and yeah, I guess so. Hughes prepared me for the idea that you know the devils were the witches' gods, and I've always been fairly receptive to you know that interpretation of things. And you can find it yeah. in the grimoires. Yeah. Well, I remember it says, that, you know, this demon yeah. also goes to sabbats and does yeah. things with witches. You know. Well, yeah, well uh, Paul Hussan had uh, had had Masago, who was right, you know, in the beginning of the Galatia. He had those as one of his one of his spirits, and that, and I know that uh, that that is connected to to the Lesser Key of Solomon. So when you got start, you got started with the, uh, doing the Lesser Key. Uh, and, well, uh, I've always been more a Grimoirean Verum kind of guy, to be honest. <laughs> oh, were you were you uh, you Grimoirean Verum? Yeah, the the uh, uh, from you were using that as early as 1972. Yeah, 
yeah, that's, that's it, really, it, that yeah. end of the spectrum much more. Yeah, that underground grimoire where you get lucid views of a car. There is a similar, yeah, there is a similar part of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And there are some major divergences from to Lesakir Solomon in the way it approaches things, and and also the instrumentum's a lot clearer. Yeah, I've I've seen pictures of some of your magical equipment from those days, and 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 it's uh, it's. Very, it's very nostalgic because I, I guess we, uh, I guess we all, when we got started, we all, we all wanted to, wanted to, uh, to make the equipment similar to the way that, that it's illustrated in the Key of Solomon in the Greater Key. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went through all of that with the, the black handle knife and the white handle knife and all of that, uh, that, that yeah. material, yeah, right? Yeah, very similar. It's more similar to the Greater Key in a lot of ways. It's just got a spirit catalog attached. You know, I, you know, as I as I said in the list of questions that I that I sent you, I've been I've been presently working my way through your two volume uh, Geosophia, the Argo of Magic, and and I had a question that I wanted to ask you, uh, and uh, regarding your geography of Hades that you have in there, and uh-huh. it seems that. You, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, I said you, you're placing all of the traditional Orphic afterlife experiences uh, in the underworld rather than the celestial zodiac. Now, now, is this because of the primitive uh, concept, and I, possibly pre-Homeric, I said, that the night sky was also the realm beneath the horizon during the day? Or, or if not, uh, do, you, do, you, do you hold that all souls must descend, and that even Elysium lies beneath the surface? And so, would you uh, would you comment on that? Well, I try and chart the the primitive and the the classical, and and see the relation between them. And yeah, in the classical period, they're definitely starting to map the Hades out in the sky, but I think there are much earlier precursors of that idea. And so underworld afterlife and starry heaven seem to be connected in all sorts of ways. And like There are plenty of very chthonic deities, you know, like the constellation Virgo, Demeter or Persephone, an underworld goddess, but you know, there she is in the heavens. And Shem Hazai in the Enochian text, in the Enochian apocalypses, He's hung up in chains, but not in the underworld, up in the sky is constellation Orion. So the two you know, overlap, and you know, in a kind of mythic language, you can't really distinguish or expect the borders to be too clear between underworld and starry heaven. I hope well, that makes know, some I, kind of sense. Well, yeah, it does, because, of course, in the Kabbalah, uh, we sort of... We sort of have this this concept that you that you enter that you enter the higher realms by first going through the lower realms. In other words, the sub uh, the, the subconscious, and the subconscious is uh, is the path to the uh, uh, is the path to the uh, to the uh, higher realms. Uh, and uh, uh, so that yeah, I think the two, I think that 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 myself, I think that probably goes back to the idea that that. Um, that the underworld, uh, the geography of the underworld, and after a while, as we know, it got transplanted into the zodiac, and the heroes and, yeah. and, and, the, and the divinities all got. And then, uh, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with Macrobius and, and his commentary on Scipio's dream, and uh, which, which, uh, you know, is and very the important. And material like that, yeah. Yeah. 
and and the Mithriatic ladder and and the whole business. Uh, so I personally, I I'm very uh, very partial to the idea of of uh, you know going down through the underworld and 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 making it and. Well, even Swedenborg said that heaven and hell were right. The hell was right next door to to, uh, to heaven, so maybe he was onto something there. Uh, yeah, I think uh, so. The uh, the what I what I'd like to ask though with you is is uh, in rehabilitating uh, the the Galatia on a, on a Grecian mode because that's where it starts. The, you you you. Uh, reminded us several times in this in this uh, uh, the yeah, Geosophia so. books that that the ghost the, the ghost is that the way you pronounce it the the, the, uh, the old Greek sorcerers. Oh, my classical languages are rubbish, but uh, something like goes. I think it, it's a fairly hard word. And plural goetes or, or goetes and, and singular goes. Yeah. This is the individual that Goetia is named after, is is the magician, rather than the other way around. Usually it's the art, it gives a name to the artist, but with Goetia it's the other way around. The artist gives a name to the art, the Goet does Goetia. Yeah, and and, uh, well, um, so... uh, As, you know, kind of an analogy, they... uh, the old, the old uh, mythological, uh, whoever it was that was defining uh, the astrological uh, correspondences, they were putting all of these heroes that uh, that were once in the underworld, or, and they're putting them up in the sky, and uh, and then eventually uh, the river Leith and and uh, and and all of these. Uh, uh, the geography of Hades ended up being up in the sky too. Uh, yeah, so, and there's uh, a, like a journey on the Milky Way intersecting with the zodiac, interpreted as the the rivers of the underworld. It, that's exactly how I see it. Yeah. So, so and here again, that's we're expressed in, in Chaldean terms. It also turns up in Germanic folklore. I suspect yeah. it's prehistoric rather than classical, but it certainly emerges again in the classical period. Right now, uh, uh, what uh, one of the things I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm kind of curious about uh, if you were because you obviously at, at, at that's you 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 obviously worked the the lesser key of Solomon uh, and and uh, and and you found the same kind of faults with it that we found with it. Uh, you know, tormenting the spirits just doesn't seem to be a very good idea. Especially, yeah, the Jim, is much more spirit friendly. It, it works through spirit through an intermediary system rather than compulsion. You you become familiar with some of the superior spirits. You cultivate a relationship with some of the superior spirits so that you can then ask of the in a more pleasant way for, for favors from their subordinates. Yeah, you know, this is much closer to the idea of a pact than the ex than the, the, the theologian doing his exorcism. It, well, it's actually much closer to witchcraft. Yeah. Oh yeah, we certainly did that with uh, Baal and Astaroth because uh, they were, according to, you know, Richard Cavendish was the one that first uh, put me onto that. Was that they were that they were obviously uh, the old Canaanite gods, Baal and Astarte, and. Uh, uh, so uh, we uh, we we certainly 
uh, apologized to them and and had an official apology for summoning him up uh, with uh, the way uh, the way the Galatia does it. Were you able to acquaint any of the uh, Goetic spirits in the Lesser Key with uh, with any Greek uh, any Greek uh, entities? Well, I think Astros, uh, a case in point, uh, is I think it's, a, it's a, a biblical name being applied to a classical deity like, uh, for instance, Art, Art, Artemis of Ephesia or Diana of the Ephesians, as we get in the Roman period. Yeah, it's a natural biblical figure for opponents to draw on is Astros. And Baal, there's a very similar thing going on in the, in the solar pantheism of the classical and Hellenistic period. You know, Syrian and Chaldean ideas are very strong, but Baal was still a very common name. And so they could find a biblical analog for that, which was historic rather than contemporary. But it's the contemporary yeah. forms, I think, were shaping it. Yeah. There are other biblical names. I suspect that Myrma may be connected to Rimon because it is an alternative pronunciation in in the region. Uh, Bifrons is a title of Janus. And, and there's a fair, a fair few others. I think some have possibly been twisted, though. I, I don't think that Balaam necessarily you know, was spelled that way originally. There's some wildly differing spellings of it. It may not represent an Old Testament prophet at all. Uh, it's really the idea of the spirits, you know, spirits of the air, often collected into the lunar mansions or the solar decans as a hierarchy. You can find that in, in classical philosophers, theologists like Ian Blickers, who's almost the grandfather of spirit hierarchies in the grimoires. And it's, it's more the conception of demons that's similar than individual cases most of the time. Yeah, not the, seen uh... by the church decent. Yeah, even though they're similar names, they're not interpreted the same way as the church sees them. Spirits have real powers rather than illusory powers. They are autonomous as long as you know the ritual they will turn up. They don't need God's permission on that occasion to come and tempt you, which is the way the church describes it. It's a completely different conception, and it's much closer to the old pagan conception or the folkloric interpretation of orthodox ideas. Yeah, you were you in in uh, in the um, um, uh, first volume of uh, Geo Sophia, you uh, uh, have uh, uh, an extensive chapter on the on the Greek symbols, and uh, and you have uh, uh, icons uh, of, of just of all of them that you mentioned. I'm wondering. Are you uh, are you going to uh, are you going to at some point give us a grimoire for for uh, for conjuring these uh, these sigils? I mean these sibyls. I mean you know sigils for the sibyls. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are there are such things in the grimoire literature because uh, the, the, the seven sisters, uh, seven fairy sisters, are intimately connected with the Sibyl mythology. Turn up in a lot of grimoires. Uh, it used to be thought that you know her occurrence in the grimoire in Baron was a frivolous exception. It's not. It's you know, the, the thing goes back at least to the Hygromantia. and oh, yeah. in my opinion. And in my opinion, even further, to the Queen of Sheba in the Testament of Solomon, who is called the wise Sibyl in at least some of the manuscripts. So, you know, so the Sibyl figure is around. It's a, it's a huge figure in the grimoire literature. And there's, there's hostile takes on it where they you know, try and use the compulsion, but that doesn't seem to be the original form at all. 
Uh, well, I work this, with a yeah. certain takes a particular form. Others may take other forms. Yeah. And for you me, for me the civil the, is singular. That's just the way it is. They're Sorry? oracular, so what better? There, there certainly are good ones to uh, good ones to uh, conjure up because they they are they were oracular to begin with. That's why people visited them back when they were supposedly alive. Was uh, you know to uh, to to learn to get, as a form of divination. Let them let them divine and answer yeah. the question. Uh, and so they certainly would be. A, um, I would think it would be a, a very good. Uh, a very good uh, spirit subject for uh, for conjuration, and uh, mm. so what? Uh, what well, we used to see kings in the grimoires. Oh, this is one of the queens. <laughs> what? Seven symbols is traditional. There's groups of ten and twelve, but you can equally appear as a, a singular figure. And I, I'm I'm just trying to nudge a bit more interest in that in that area, and. Let people interpret it for themselves rather than produce a criminal, although it's a great idea. <laughs> you know, and one one of the things that I'm noticing uh, going through your your uh, uh, Argo of Magic uh, books is uh, it, 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 at times I think I'm reading Robert Graves, and and uh, and uh, uh, how much of it, how much are, are, would you say you're you're influenced by him because I, I, I you know, I, I just, I just have a feeling like when I, when I'm reading, I know you're writing it, but, but it feels like, oh my gosh, you know, that is, it's like it, it's, it, it, it feels like I'm reading the White Goddess again, you know, it, it's, uh, uh, so uh, you, yeah, you're only turned on its head are, substantially. Uh, you are quite familiar with Robert Graves, I, I take it. I was influenced by him early on. I mean, I've been, I've been at this a long time, but for, for me, that, that whole approach to things was knocked on its head by Ronald Hutton's Triumph of the Moon, so uh, which kind of pulled the rug un, from under me intellectually, probably, probably a lot of other people too. It was like, oh, right, this uh, interpretation of mythology and everything I've got is actually complete bunkum. So where do I so where do I start? And I started by going back to Goetia as you know the most primitive end of you know, the Western magical tradition, and, and, and which Ron Hutton himself conceded is a legitimate historical tradition to be claiming, rather than the one the witches actually were, you know, you know, given, you know, the, you know we've got a Neolithic religion going. You know, there's the tradition of ritual magic and Goetia. So in order to get you know, somewhere to stand on intellectually again, you know, it's Goetia I went to and ended up writing an encyclopedia. Some of yeah, the, uh, it is it is an answer to Graves rather than uh, rather than uh, you know, going with him. The uh, well, uh, of course, you know Graves is very very influential on uh, on uh, Roy Bowers and uh, the the uh, who used to write under the name of he's passed away, but he used to write under the name of Robert Cochrane, I believe, over there. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, well, I no, I don't really hold with the Margaret Murray thesis and, and so on at all. I mean, it was massively influential, and perhaps it was a useful creation myth once upon a time. But uh, I think we're strong enough to to go the real history now. Uh, recently, we've been we've been uh, we've been covering some of uh, 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 Gerald Gardner's original writings. Uh, 
high magic shade. And, of course, uh, one of the things that we were stressing in our coverage of uh, high magic shade was that Gardner started off as a, as a Solomonic ceremonial magician and, and blended oh, yeah. that into his idea of, of witchcraft. Are you, have you had any background, with uh, any work with the Gardnerian people? Yeah, I'm quite sympathetic with Gerald Gardner. It might be unfashionable, but uh, you know, I think a lot of the threads he wove into the shadows, like Solomonic magic and elements of Alistair Crowley, are good places for people to build on rather than weed out. You know, let's have more grimoire magic and maybe investigate a bit of this Thelma stuff as well. I think, yeah, you know, he, I think the, the guy did good. And you know, from, for me, I've you know, gradually moved um, more away from the Golden Dawn, Crowley end of things, and more towards the Grimoires. You know. And particularly the Grimoire in Berum, and that is actually the practical base of pretty much everything I do. And you know, I found, found it's rich, and flexible, versatile. You know, I you know, work with the same family of spirits, essentially, with the same liturgical structure. It's actually very versatile rather than limiting. It's a, a language that you, know, you you can that you can use rather rather than a framework that you're stuck in. The uh, well, I, I, one of your other interviews that I looked at um, on online, uh, you um, you were suggesting that uh, that the Golden Dawn um, and and related magical orders were were really not uh not very conducive to to people that are actually want to want to get into into ceremonial magic and uh and because they're too restrictive and and their their ideas or whatever and you know I tend to agree with you there even though I'm, I'm even though I'm I'm partial to Golden Dawn as a historical phenomenon and I did and I did uh, I did the Golden Dawn Cipher Manuscript book and all of that with Bob Gilbert, but uh, but even so, I agree with you that they are they are kind of inhibiting to the to the magician uh, who needs to be able to find his own way and experiment himself. Uh, would you uh, uh, would you say though that uh, that uh, the uh, uh, you say that the Solomonic uh, magic idea is uh, is is influenced uh, perhaps too much by the Golden Dawn and and, and by uh, by masonry? How would you, what are your feelings on that? Well, the Grimoire seems to have an implicit idea that you are be working alone or with a couple of companions. Uh, even grand Solomonic ceremonial, it's it's a handful of people, and probably a mentor and and students, but. More often, working alone or a, or a, or a couple, you know, a seer uh, and uh, and a conjurer working together. They're, they're small uh, and 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 they do get on with it. But you know, they don't they don't have initiation ceremonies and so on. The work itself, you know, you could say is initiatory if you're if you're that active. For me, certainly, there's an internal mystery in the, the ritual patterns that I work, which is. Ultimately, initiatory. I'm dealing with a, myth, you know, a mythological hierarchy, a pantheon. I mean, how could it be anything else? But you know, in some way, a mystery. So, I've got nothing against lodges. But, you know, the good old-fashioned Masonic lodges, particularly, are fairly democratic. You know, you're not worshipful master for life in, in, in that you know, 
So, you know, I can see how it could be useful, but it can also be a, an impediment. You know, you know, way too many activities that aren't just getting down to doing magic. So, yeah, yeah uh, me, I think we need a bit of a rethink. Yeah, one of the things I'm I'm really curious about is, uh, and uh, I had it um, I had it in one of our questions here, and I said uh, I said one of the challenges. I first encountered in working Goetia, and I started back in 1969 with a Goetia of Solomon's Lesser Key, and and that's how to bring the spirit to visible appearance in the triangle. And I settled on using a dark mirror in the triangle, and I found that worked well in conjunction with a hypnotic trance state in which I could channel the spirit. I also experimented myself with placing the receiver, sometimes myself, in the triangle itself, and letting him or her become the horse of the spirit, voodoo style. Now, this this also worked, and Gardner used it in, in that method in High Magic's aid, as you may recall. Now, now, without asking you, I don't want to, I don't want to ask you uh, to reveal any secrets you might have on achieving trance states, but could you tell us what you use for a spiritus focus and/or a conjuration device? In other words, how do you how do you bring them to visible appearance? Well, there's a variety of methods in the Grimoire and Berman further afield. Um, I, I know what you're saying about maybe putting somebody in the triangle. I have worked with induction of possession states, although the triangle is not part of the Grimoire and Berman apparatus. But uh, it really comes down to the scrying techniques, which are which are represented here and there in the Grimoire and Bone, or the magician seeing a spirit appear outside the circle, which um, in the, the papyri is referred to as direct vision, of working without a scryer. But so those those two strands have always been known. The Grimoire scrying or you want to you want to do it like Benvenuto, like Benvenuto Cellini, and just and just produce a lot of smoke, or have the four smoke pots around the circle and produce smoke all the way around the circle and see how many of them. Yeah, you I've see tried all that. Yeah. Of them. I've tried. Yeah, I've tried. I've tried all that, but ultimately, I find it's the direct vision experience. Which is very active, you know, rather, rather than rather than passive, as a, as a, as a seer might be. Uh, I, the invocations, the performance of the ritual, heightens my awareness. To, you know, I'm not particularly psychic in my in day-to-day life, but in in ritual, I become I get a real state where I can can see and communicate with with spirits much much more readily. And as I say, it's a very, it's a very active, in, uh, even a very intense state, rather than a passive one. Trances, you know, the other end of the spectrum may be appropriate to a seer, but not to a conjurer. Uh, for me, it's like I'm, I'm bringing the astral to me, rather than going to the astral. Uh, magical space, rich, you know, richer space is also mythological space. You know, the role of the intermediary is a mythological role as well as ritual role. You know, mythology doesn't work without some kind of go-between, which is either a trickster, a vice regent, or maybe a, a marshal of heaven. And intermediary figure is vitally important in the Grimoire and Baron. It's very explicit. This, this is how it works. You, you go through, go through Skirling. In the Grand Grimoire, it, it, it's, it's more loose, but the, but the roles are the same. Um, 
buried in the, what's missing from the Galatia, but present in some related texts, is, is an upper hierarchy, Orient, Paimon, Maimon, again, and above them, Liz, uh, Belzebuth, Satan, Lisbeth, Belzebuth, Astroth, in Grimoire and Berman, another strand of the family. Orient, particularly, Skirvin or, or, or Syrac, whatever he's been called at the time, is the main intermediary figure. He, he, he's the king of the East. What, he can make the other kings appear because he's the, the chief of the kings as well as the, the lower spirit. So you can break down all the complex intermediary stages and just keep going to Orient to get stuff done. Yeah, which is how the Grimoire and Baron does it. He's got one intermediary Well, the Grimoire and the Grimoire of Durham has a section on, on Solomon's Mirror. And, and, yeah, uh, has Solomon's Mirror. And, I, and I've, I've employed Mirror Magic, having a seer present, and ended up doing um, automatic writing instead because the mirror just wasn't producing the results. You've got to think on your feet. I've often a couple of divination methods in, 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 into working with me rather than just one. Because you know, you've got, got to be adaptable. It can't all be scripted at all. Well, Paul Hussain said just when when you reach the climax of your, your conjuration, blow all your candles out and, and let the spirit come in the dark. And that was that was his his uh his idea. And and uh and, you know I tried that and, and, and they do, but, but you know, a dark surface, complete darkness, it, it it's it's Almost like visualizing with your eyes closed, which of course is part of the, you know, part of what we. Well, all the, all, the t- all the timing given in the Galatia Solomon is, is is daylight. You know, they're, they're, they're only marquises appear in the evening. Uh, all the other spirits are diurnal according to that timing. But again, the French grimoires, which I tend to prefer, it's all it's, it's completely the reverse. The you know, grand grimoire specifies. Invoking them at night in the planetary hour appropriate to the day, but during the night. So, you know, whether darkness or light is appropriate is completely relative to the, the manual you're working with. It, it's a large, it's, it's whole, wholehearted involvement in ritual that produces the results. Getting down and doing a three hour ceremony, it, you are going to enter a mythological state. And start and experience an interrelationship with with an entity. You know, there's nothing particularly peculiar about that happening. It's, you know, the human psyche is kind of built that way. You want to be I know, scientific about that. Yeah, I know. I know that you mentioned in your book several times that that we should uh, that we should uh, uh, do cross cultural studies on African uh, methods. Yeah, and I certainly mm-hmm. agree with that because because uh, uh, Budan, you know, in Budan, uh, which we properly call Voodoo, uh, they they those veves that they have, those signatures of the Oguns, are very very similar to our to our uh, sigils in the Lamegaton. They're very similar, and uh, yeah, and yeah, and and I I uh, I yeah, was much more aware of this and. And 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 based upon that, the whole idea of of, uh, of letting the uh, of having a, a receiver uh, actually become the horse of the god, so to speak, as in Vodun, uh 
I know that, as I said earlier, that that we we experimented with uh, with sitting the uh, sitting the receiver in the triangle and letting the receiver re- become the channel for the spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever did, done anything like that? Yeah, that, definitely. I mean, as, as I say, Jim Ryan Burn doesn't use a triangle, but in various other setups, I've done, uh, I've done similar things. Uh, so when I was more involved in, in ceramic ritual, we had uh, a ritual involving an enthroned priestess uh, facing the congregation, including an invoking priest, um, which was taken into a, in, in states which are ultimately possession states. So I had that experience, but in that, in that context, I didn't really have a name for the various different entities that might appear. It was just like, oh well, this is you know, this is the spirit of the astrological conditions. Once I started switching over to Goetia, I had a good idea who was going to turn up when I was doing stuff like that. You know, they had names, they had personalities, you know, and uh, wait, so yeah, possession states. Well, I think I've, I've worked with quite extensively. But I, the direct vision method working solo is the, is the classic approach. So I'm, I'm equally happy with that. And it's, it's something you can do by yourself. You, know, you don't have to have a whole group around you and a big temple space dedicated. You can just wander off into the countryside with your travel and conjuring kit and you know, do it when you feel like it. So get the solo in. Yeah, seers yeah. are good. Seers are good, and, and, and possession work is also good. They're fascinating experiences, and they can take Western magicians out of their comfort zone very, very quickly. You know, you, you've got this idea that it's just some subconscious visualization you're doing, and then, then it starts ha- you know, having a conversation with you, and, and you've got to figure out what it wants before it will go away. You know, you know, which in, in one case was roses, uh, bottles of wine, you know, and nice comfortable seats, you know. Stuff like that, I mean, rather 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 than threatening with a sword, it's a lady. Has anyone ever asked you to do an exorcism? Oh yeah, I've done exorcisms. Um, my method's a bit old-fashioned because, you know, as I say, I have ongoing relationships with the spirits of the grimoire rather than con- run conjure up times and do something and never have anything to do with them again. It's, a, it's an ongoing relationship, so. I've got go-to guys who you know, handle my immediate magical defences. I don't, you know, I'm not likely to get a, a random nasty spirit arriving here. There's too, too, many, too many of my own living here already. But you can also employ one of your big, you know, meaty spirits to tell a ghost to bugger off from somebody else's house. Yeah, you know, if it's not receptive to a, to a gentler approach, you know, if, if there are more thought, you know. And, you know, being friendly with demons is a good way of getting rid of lesser spooks. Yeah, I had to do one recently, and and uh, and yeah, the, re- the reason why uh, the uh, particular girl that uh, or, or woman uh, had, when she was a teenager, she had gotten into into some uh, uh, goetic uh, uh, circle. Oh, and unfortunately, it can be a real mess. That's right, and she got and and she she picked one of the most uh, what I think is one of the most dangerous ones in the Galatia to, to to experiment with, and 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 it stayed with her for a long, long time. And finally, in her 30s, she just she decided she didn't enough and she wanted to get rid of it, and uh, so we did. And and 
And when we finally found out what it was, uh, I, I asked her, uh, I asked her, our, uh, uh, the gal that was serving for us, and I said, you got, have you got a $20 bill? <laughs> and she reached her purse and pulled out the $20 bill. And I, I burned the $20 bill in the thurible <laughs> to, uh, you know, as a gift to the spirit, because I don't care even if it is, uh, even if it is an evil spirit, even if we are doing an exorcism, we're still going to honor it. You know, we we still we still are going to try to, to try to, you know, to try to reason with it rather than rather than threaten it. Uh, and if it's, uh, a, if it's a genuine demon, it's like an you know, evolved entity in its own right, rather than some sort of de- decomposing ghost, which can be quite malicious. Yeah, the demons are usually fairly evolved and often test you rather than seeking to hurt you. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's my experience. Well, what do you think about uh, uh, what do you think about this uh, tormenting the spirit by the curse of chains and all that sort of business? I, 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 I was so upset with that idea that I even left it out of our our book on Solomonic magic. I didn't even, wouldn't even put it in there. Yeah, I've got no time for that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying that that all the spirits are weakness and light, and that you know you might not have to one day, as I say, think on your feet and deal with a a situation. Yeah, but being set up for it, you know, that's the frame of mind of people who are basically basically trying to say it's not me doing black magic; it's the spirits. Yeah, that's not really the point of view you see in in the grimoire environment at all. Yeah, it, it talks about you know, becoming familiar right, with the spirits, you know, becoming a good, you know, more closely acquainted with them, getting their favour, you know, of, of, of one of the one of the superiors, and then through their deputies working with the subordinates. It's a much, you know, much preferable process, really. And and if things do turn nasty, well, you should be a resourceful magician. Yeah, but going and expecting it to be nasty and mistreating the spirits as routine—it's just stupid. Yeah, as, as well, you know, as well as you know, not politically correct or whatever. I mean, that, you know, that's neither here nor there. It's you know, it's 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 not necessary. And the grimoires do fairly often say, "Look, there's these other people who do magic, the witches, and these spirits are really bad." And, you know, you can you can find you can find passages like that in. Weird text which proceeds to go each way. You know, um, there's versions of the Grimoire of Honorius that you know, which say, "Oh yeah, this spirit goes to Sabbaths and has a wonderful time." But you know, here they are trying to compel it, and it's obviously possible to have another kind of relationship within the same general tradition. Yes, I agree. And and uh, uh, would you want to kind of uh, give us uh, give us your uh, your advice to uh, to people starting out in uh, in in this work, uh, because uh, a lot of our listeners are, are are you know a lot of our listeners are new to uh, to our, our hermetic uh, uh, tradition and and to ceremonial magic, and you're you're certainly one of the one of the world's experts on the subject, and and so what what would you be your advice? Before, to, I'm you sure. Well, young. What would you what, what what sort of advice would you give to young people starting out in this in this tradition? Well, you're not to have two black and white 
an idea of the spirit world for a start that it's you know divided into you know, good and evil because you know the traditional law doesn't doesn't see it like that right like that at all uh it's a it's a better idea to understand the demons as so called as elemental spirits and to look at some of the living traditions like uh, like Kimbandra and voodoo and not sensationalized versions of them to try and revivify what's what's left of traditional Western magic, because it is still in a state of revival. There are no real experts. You know, there's people who've got I mean, accumulated experience, but we are still in the process of regenerating Western magic. And the spirits have been involved in it a lot longer than we have. So I treated them with respect. Uh, along that line, uh, talking about young people and, and what they're into and what they're interested in, uh, I'm sure you've Run into uh, a number of uh, a number of uh, people asking you, and <laughs> I know they ask me, "What about the Necronomicon?" And 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 uh, you know, I I uh, we even did a satirical little poem on that 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 got to be uh, that that went viral. But uh, uh, yeah, I the, remember coming across it. <laughs> what? I, I, ha- probably, I have come across your poem, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there you go, Necronomicon. doesn't really appeal. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of fun with that one. But, yeah. but uh, back, actually, what's, what seems to have happened is that they so many people, young people especially, have wanted there to be a Necronomicon and wanted that they've actually, in a sense, they kind of reified it. And and so mm-hmm. in a way these these entities uh, seem to seem to have acquired some kind of uh, uh, some kind of psycho uh, spiritual reality uh, uh, and and uh, I think that in I a don't way, know how much all... noise to signal there is, <laughs> hmm? but uh, yeah there are there are chunks of, of authentic Babylonian magic and what have you mixed up to Necronomicon mythos that's, that's evolved but how much noise to signal there is in what people get from the spirit is is another matter I, I think there there are more clear cut systems that we could work with the spirits can actually do us some good rather than just scare the willies out of us yeah the uh, um um Ah, see, what was it? What I we had the there is a key of Solomon, a lesser key of Megaton, and but there ain't no Necronomicon of that. We have no doubt. No, and, no. Uh, but uh, uh, the uh, uh, still, as I say, they they have. Uh, I've run into several uh, people who who really scared themselves with that uh, the paperback version and uh, and the leather bound one that preceded it and. Uh, so I suppose uh, I suppose we're going to have to at some point we're going to have to be able to exorcise Cthulhu and uh, and, and, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> the only one I found that, that the only one effective uh, magical Necronomicon I found was the one that my friend Lynn Carter came up with, uh, which he attributed to John D and called it the John D translation and. Uh, that one, uh, you know, Carter was was a pretty good occultist, and he, so he he made a, a grimoire out of it that actually that actually seems like it might work, but but uh, we haven't had to do an, 
an exorcism on it yet. Anyway, uh, the the you have a number of books, and right now you're you you got a, you've got a book out on the Grand Grim I mean not the Grand Grim the the, the Grimorum Verum. You have your own version yeah. of Grimorum Verum, right? Well, it's it's my reconstruction, which is, it doesn't take too many liberties with the text, really. It, it's, there is a, a, you know, a, fa- a family of texts, and familiarizing yourself with, with the, the variant, something very coherent comes out of and of the various Solomonic works. It's the, it's the most compact it's my, and the most spirit-friendly, but yeah, I felt it needed some elucidation. I, from a from a different uh, a different angle to Joseph Peterson's a critical edition, which is also extremely useful. But yeah, the demons of Einstein aren't related to the modern conception of cliff off and of Caspian monsters and and stuff like that. Yeah, the magical magical tradition spirits are simply like autonomous beings with whom you you can have a relationship and get and get stuff done they're not damned spirits which is the problem with the cliff off is they are it is an idea that involves like their ultimate destruction as evil they're they're locked away in some in some dungeon dimension most of the time they don't Resemble the Grimmauld spirits, even though some of them share the same names. It's a completely different well, interpretation of things. Well, we're, we, you know, we we know that the Lesser Key of Solomon. We know that the the underworld that that, that they're referring to in in the Lesser Key of Solomon is a is a Dante-esque, uh, uh, you know, Greco-Christian Tartarus, basically, and and it, which was adopted by the by the Christian theologians. And uh, we know that, so that uh, makes the, the spirits down mm-hmm. there much less terrifying than the Cliffoth. And we also know that the Cliffoth, uh, when when the, the descriptions of the, of the spirits in the Cliffoth, including including those we know and love, are are really horrible. And uh, and uh, uh, my 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 friend and colleague Steve Sabdo, as you may as you may know. Back, uh, back at oh, gosh, about twenty years ago, he he rented a he, he rented a warehouse in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and in, in the middle of summer, he and his and his and his rock and roll band boys went in there, and then they they set up and they and they did Galatia in in there at 110 degrees in the shade, and and and, and they. I'm <laughs> They, they got results, but the trouble is, Steve was raised in a Jewish home, and and so he put all his Galatia entities, as far as he was concerned, were in the cliffhide. So when he got them, mm-hmm. and they got them, they 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 got them. They pushed themselves until they got them, and they all were. They all looked like like gargoyles, and Steve said that all they got from all of this was was. Several notebooks full of totally unprintable stuff that they couldn't publish because it was so. It was just you know, according to him, it was really terrible stuff. And uh, so uh, we we don't want you uh, would you. I, I don't think that in the in the in the in the in the in the Grimoire and Verum, I don't think those spirits are consigned to the cliff off, are they? I I, I don't read it that no. way. 
No, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, complete, a completely different idea. Uh, the, the cliff-offs really originate in a particularly pessimistic stage of, of Jewish philosophy. They, ha- they happen to share some similar names with, with spirits of, of old traditions. Samuel is a case in point. But you, you find, and you find, you find this demonization, or lesser, uh, or friend, friendlier interpretations of, of the same spirit in, in, in a spectrum of literature. Asmodeus, in, or, or, or in, 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 some, in some Jewish traditions, he's not even in hell. He never goes there. He's, he, most, most of the demons of, of the Goetic texts are considered to be spirits of the air. You know, into this region we've got to travel through when we start our, you know, our journey into the, you know, the, the celestial underworld, so to speak. You know, the spirits of the air are the ones you know, that might give us trouble or the ones that might help us. They, you know, right. Satan, they're both called prince of the powers of the air. And, well, and, we, yeah, yeah, I would say in a lot of, t- of Jewish tradition, he's a friendly fellow. You know. Yeah. Well, part of that, you know, part of that, I think that we can blame part of that on the Golden Dawn because uh, Mathers was very influenced by the Zohar in in and uh, when they when they uh, and uh, started going, Uriah particularly, yeah, yeah, and and so they they ended up having a cliff off in the Golden Dawn, and uh, so I think that's where where some of our some of our uh, Goetic magicians decided that that's where the spirits were. And, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's a yeah. recent recent innovation. It's like, it's, you know, it, it doesn't belong in in, in those grimoires at all, or, or yeah. in folk magic. You know, there's not there's nothing similar. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've been superimposed on on the magical tradition. They shouldn't really you know, you know blur uh, you know, how we see Goetia, but unfortunately, it has done in in popular imagination. So we can say that the idea of taking that underworld, that classic, that classic Greek underworld, which carried on through to Roman times and even carried through to the to the Christian tradition, uh, with Dante and and uh, and all, that 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 in turn got translated into the into the zodiac. So uh, I think maybe maybe we can we can say that. Hey, you know the the underworld ain't that bad. I mean, you know it's it's uh, uh, and uh, we can look at it that way. As we said in the beginning of the show here, uh, you gotta go you gotta go down below to get up above, and uh, and uh, that puts a whole different approach on this on this fallen angel thing and 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 the so-called uh, evil spirits of the Galatia. Uh, would you agree with that? No, no, definitely. So I consider the, you know, the spirits I work with essentially my co-workers. I don't have a magical order. I've got packed with about forty spirits. You know, if I'm doing herbal work, then you know the spirits responsible for herbal law who I will actually be interacting with what I'm working with the pestle and mortar. For me, it's an ongoing relationship with. with Essentially, individuals you know, who have mythological characteristics you know, that you can find in fo- in, in folklore, in, in, in not just in Greek mythology, but in the Western tradition. There's been a large infusion of, Ger- of Germanic culture as well. The four, the four kings of the grimoires. You, you, you can try you can trace it in classical, but you can also trace it in in, the, in, in Germanic folklore. And the two fused together around the time of, of, of Agrippa. Yeah. 
if this is almost, yeah, the Renaissance of the second synthesis, you might say. But yeah, well, we're, I, West, yeah, Western we're, magic is a rich tradition, and the spirits have been involved in it a lot longer than we have. It's a rich so, tradition and yeah, a great adventure, and you know, you and you, you and I have both said uh, at different times in different ways that that what we're what we are now is we are the uh, the urban shamans, the civilized urban urban shamans, and and we're the ones. We're the ones that that uh, are the modern counterparts of the old of the old ghosts uh, from from back in the days of ancient Greece, even before Homer, and uh, we're yeah. their modern counterparts. And, yeah, and we, we are. You know, we're, on a practical level, we we do the same job, but we're, but we're also in a way guardians of the same tradition in the modern era. And we've got to adapt it to the to these times while being you know, respectful of it. Because it, yeah. it is a rich, you know, a rich tradition. It's it is you know it's culturally important, and you know, it stands on you know, you know on equal standing with any of the great, the great world religions, and all all tra- tra- lesser traditions. You know, on a more regional level, you know, Western magic is you know, culturally significant. Academics have been realising that for a long time. How important it is our yeah, our, our knowledge of Greek pharmacology has been massively improved by by, by interpreting the by translating the Greek magical papyri. This this stuff is, you know is significant. It's something to be proud of and to get involved in as a vocation, rather than you know, oh, I'll just conjure a spirit to get uh, get what I want now and then yeah. and then be rude to him. Yeah, yeah. This is a fairly farcical, two-dimensional. Approach to it. I mean, you know, there's no rational explanation for why for why a spirit would let you bully in into teaching in teaching you another language. You know, with, with, no, with no kind of transaction involved. You know, uh, I agree. You know, it's just not very it's not philosophically satisfying to understand it that way. Yeah. Well, Jake, uh, we're just about uh, to the end of the hour here, and I. I want to thank you so much for coming on, and and uh, I want to encourage uh, I want to encourage all of our all of our listeners to to uh, to make use of your wonderful resources, your books, all of which yeah, well, are available in one form or another, I believe, on our Amazon, and uh, at least it appears that most of them are. Do you have any any new one coming out shortly that you'd like to tell us about that we can look forward to? Well, I'm doing well. I've been involved for a while with an, an overview of spirit catalogues from different grimoires and how they interrelate. Uh, some of the identifications may be startling because you know, the, the spellings have changed so much and gone down different uh, different avenues. But yeah, an overview of the spirit catalogues of most of the major grimoires has been on the cards for a while. So that's probably going to come to fruition in some form or another eventually I'm not sure what, what else fall out of the woodwork in, in the meantime because big projects tend to produce little spin-off projects I've pamphlet about, about a particular spirit or, or whatever that's the sort of thing in the near future I think good thank you so much for being with us and, and uh, we'll hope to uh, 
we hope to have you on again, and uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, get, to reading more of your work because, as I say, I've, I'm I'm in the middle of the of the uh, the Argo the Argo of magic, and and uh, that is absolutely that'll keep me busy for another another week or so, and then I'm gonna yeah, then I'm gonna get it on. Then I'm going to get into your into your version of the uh, of the uh, Grimorum Verum, and uh, that'll be that's next on my list. Thank you so much for being with us, and and uh, it's been a great pleasure, uh, Clark. Yeah, and we really we really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks again, and good magic. Thank you.